passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cruel Summer, our retrospective look back at each and every G1 Climax Tournament Final from 1991 to 2018. And uh, this is the penultimate episode, episode 27, covering 2017, covering Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito. And uh, joining me today is a return guest. He, uh, he appeared on, uh, let's see, what, what episode did you appear on? 2007 it was tanahashi versus yuji nagata yeah so 10 years later making his return is joel abraham the co-host of the uh, super j cast which you can hear over at voices of wrestling.com joel thanks again for joining me on cruel summer how are you been uh well a lot's happened over the last 10 years wh so uh, <laughs> a lot of things going on in my life M- moved to several different countries uh, i'm also uh, quite pleased and honored to be the last person on cruel summer to discuss the G1 Climax final happening at Sumo Hall. And I understand that Sumo Hall is very hot during the summer, isn't it? Uh, it's a fucking sweat box is, uh, would be an understatement. You know, like, you know, like in prison, like they'll, in like old style, horrible American prisons or any other prison in the world, like they'll, they'll stick you in this box in the sun as punishment. Like they don't put you in solitary confinement, they just stick in this box. That's what it feels like. In Have you ever seen the the, the movie Fortress with Christopher Lambert? You know, I have, but I can't remember it. That's one of the punishments. That is, they're in like a, a space prison or something, and then when he's naughty, they lock him in the the little space box. And I, I guess like exactly a... what it's like at Sumo Hall. I feel that's something that like Steve McQueen had to go through in one of the various prison movies that he's been in, The Great Escape, or what's that one with Dustin Hoffman? Papillon, I think it's called, something like that. Anyways, I'm sure Stephen Queen's had to suffer through that or something similar. I, I, I know what it feels like. I know what Christopher Lambert feels like. Not not in Highlander, but in Fortress, you know, because, like, I've been in Sumo Hall. I I was at the the utmost, like, topmost level of Sumo Hall with Chris Charlton in uh, the first year that, um, that I went, which was uh, 2015. No, wait, this is 17. 16 was, I can't remember. Which one was... Uh, uh, you know, like I've been doing so many of these, Joel, that it's all blended now. But one of the years, it was who fuck was it? It was Tanahashi Naito, I think. And and I was at the like I went to two nights. So I went the the second last night with Chris, and then we were kind of like on the upper balcony level, but not too high up. But the second night, the finals, we were like we were almost touching the ceiling. I swear to God, this is not an exaggeration. And it was so hot, and it was full, and it's just filled with like 
you know, however many people are in Sumo Hall, what, 16,000? Yeah, uh, I don't know what, what it is. Yeah, six, 7,000, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of people. And it's all, they're all generating body heat, right? And it, it's going nowhere because the AC and the ventilation in Sumo Hall is terrible. And it's just rising because heat rises. And it, I'm just like feeling it into like max three. And then I'm, I'm sure I had endure some fucking Tamatonga, Balak Fale fucking nonsense with somebody like with fucking Yoshihashi. And then I'm just like not feeling it. And, and I'm, I'm born life. I feel like a cooked chicken, you know? So I, I was, I took a break from the G1. So I didn't actually go to the G1 finals of 2017, much to my chagrin. Cause this is a great match. I was in Kawasaki. I was revisiting my, my old schedule. What were we doing that day? You know, August uh, 13th on uh what was it like august 13th 2017 i was like in kawasaki going to shrines i was i was doing some shopping i was eating like some delicious chinese food in kawasaki so i was like i'll watch it later i'll watch it when i get home and and i didn't really miss it that much but you know watching it back today or yesterday actually i was watching this match back and i thought this is an amazing match i kind of wish i was there and i kind of wish i kind of wish like i wasn't there and i wasn't i'm glad i wasn't there anyways i'm just rambling (laughs) <laughs> How are things on the, your end? Yeah. yeah we're, we're keeping all this in, by the way. We're this keeping all this a, in. Ha, ha. This is good so stuff, WH. Anyways. If nothing else, I mean, people are going to come away from Cruel Summer securing the knowledge that, yes, Sumo Hall is very hot during the summer. You've, you've drilled that one home, and I think you know, it's, every day's a school day. <laughs> but I will say this. Like, in the fall, in the winter, it's a wonderful place to go watch wrestling or, or, or Sumo. I've been there for Sumo. Very, very great place. And you're a Sumo fan, but you've never been to Ryogoku Kokuki Khan for Sumo. Am I correct? That's correct. I, that's one of the things on my bucket list. Who did you see? Who were the notable Rikishi when you visited? Uh, I don't know. Some guy from, uh, I don't know, Romania or, or Poland or something. Czechoslovakian dude, Serbian. I, I, I don't know. Like My friends are big Sumo fans, and they were like, okay, what's happening now? Okay, they're, you know, they're doing the ceremony. Okay, when's this match going to start? Oh, it's like a psychological game, WH. You got to understand. They're, they're psyching each other out. Okay. And then it's like the bell starts, you know, the bell rings, whatever. The, the guy, like, starts the match and it's over in, like, four seconds, which is, which is fine because there's, like, a million matches. During, I was there for the finals for, what did they crown the Yokozuna, right? Uh, Yokozuna's decided on by a council. That sort of depends on how you're performing over a long stretch of time. But I was there for the finals that that were, that are held in like Sumo Hall. People will have to forgive me. I'm completely ignorant about. No, I want to hijack I, this now. I, turn it into the Sumo podcast that I've been demanding for about a year now. It's one of my favorite sports, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, social media has just totally destroyed my attention span. But Sumo matches usually last, like you said, about five seconds, so it's perfect for me. Yeah, like, and everyone was into it. Like my friends. They knew about it. They were into it. They were explaining everything. And, but, you know, it's like me trying to explain professional wrestling to someone who doesn't follow it. And it's like, okay, he, this is fake, right? I go, well, yeah, it's predetermined. But, but why is he hitting him for real? I go, well, it's, it's wrestling, but it's not supposed to be real. I go, well, you why see. Why has this guy got a know, subdural hematoma? Yeah, exactly. Why, why is, uh, you, you told me these two are best friends. Why are they trying to break each other's necks? Well, it's, it's wrestling. People who are really close friends with each other try to kill each other and try to break each other's necks. It's, it's a given, in, particularly in, in Japanese professional wrestling. I don't even bother trying to explain professional wrestling to normies. I just, you know, if they engage me about it, I'll just um, change the subject. Talk about the weather. Talk, 
Exactly. But let, let's talk about, bit bef- before we get into the G1 Climax, Joel, let's talk about your podcast, the Super J Cast. What's been going on over in Super J Cast land? A lot of G1 Climax, and it's a difficult time of year with the scheduling. There's quite often only one day separating the chunks of matches. You'll, you'll have like two days and then a day off and then another day and then a day off. So scheduling's a nightmare, and it's always during my summer holiday, so often that means I'm lugging my recording equipment to various different countries. I, I had particular fun last year uh, doing a recording from Bagan in Myanmar, uh, trying to run off the shitty 4G because the hotel Wi-Fi was just non-existent, trying to review that New Japan show that I think was Kenny against Cody. They had a ladder match or something like that, and <laughs> that was not a fun time, I'll tell you that. <laughs> what a match to review, too, with shitty I know, I was in such a Wi-Fi bad mood. <laughs> My wife, she's by the swimming pool relaxing, and I'm holed up in there sitting on the floor talking about fucking Cody Rhodes. Dear me. <laughs> well, we shall not talk, be, be talking about Cody Rhodes on, on this episode because we're, he never appeared in the G1, thank God. I, I'm not a huge Cody fan. I, I think we're only going to piss off all the elite fans. I, I know, I would try so hard. I thought, no, I'm not going to annoy anyone, and I've already done it, and I'm sorry to the Cody fans. He's, he's good at what he does. You know, I'm enjoying his all-elite stuff at the moment. It's some of the, the better stuff they've put out there, so I'm sorry. Yeah, he's fine in his own lane, just don't ever pollute New Japan with his presence again. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways, let's talk about the 2017 G1 Climax. It was a two-block, 20-man round-robin tournament held from July 17th to August 13th. And, uh, of course, the finals would take place in Ryugoku Kokugikan, a.k.a. Sumo Hall. Uh, Joe, let's talk about the, the blocks here. We have an A block, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Bad Luck Fale, Hiroki Goto, Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., making his G1 debut, Tomohiro Ishii, Togi Makabe, Yoshihashi, and Yuji Zagata. What do you think about A Block? I thought there were some cracking matches. Actually, I should say this was the first G1 that I watched in full. And I think, you know, these days people sort of get stuck in this habit of after consuming something like a piece of media, they're always sort of rushing to try and compare it. Like, oh, is this the best ever? How does it stack up to the other ones? But I do remember a lot of buzz at the time, um, particularly from that block. There was some great stuff because that, I mean, obviously the last time we saw Yuji Nagata in the G1, there was an amazing Ibushi Naito match in that block. Um, what else was good there? Um, Naito and Tanahashi, of course, in the, the block decider. So, yeah, really good stuff in that one. And being a huge Zack Sabre Jr. fan, his first G1, really exciting. He had a great match with Ibushi, if I remember correctly. So, uh, good stuff all around. I think he had, like, good matches with pretty much everyone maybe he even got something out of bad luck folly in, in that tournament uh he got one he got a good match out of him well you know as good as you're going to get out of bad luck folly this year but i really like the uh zsj versus tomohiro ishii match from from this year i thought that was a really excellent like clash of styles but they but they blended so well together yeah they're, they're just terrific chemistry those two um i just think he's just always great in the g1 one of my favorite performers um and you saw, did they have a match together at the, the Long Beach one as well? They had that little tournament for the U.S. title. I, I remember that one being particularly exciting. Yeah, they just have excellent chemistry together. So it, it's always a good thing if, like, you see Ishii and, and Zack Sabre Jr. are going to have a match. Uh, let's move on to the B-block. Kenny Omega, Kazushika Okada, Evil, Minoru Suzuki, Tama Tonga, Sonata, Juice Robinson making his G1 debut, Toriano, 
Michael Elgin and Satoshi Kojima. Your thoughts on the B block, Joel? I think we got more high-end matches from this one. Again, that was Kojima's last time we saw him in the G1. It could end up being his last G1 ever. Um, there were some incredible matches. One of my favorite ones was the Okada-Suzuki draw, which was right before the, the final block night, I think. And that was terrific. Suzuki just slapped the shit out of him for 30 minutes. Okada-Elgin, I remember that being great. Um, Elgin-Omega was terrific. Omega-Okada, obviously. And... Uh, I'm going to out myself here. I, I really enjoyed the Kenny Omega Toriyano comedy match with the the taping each other's legs together and the DVD box filled with talcum powder. I thought that was a lot of fun. No, I agree. That that's one of my favorite Kenny matches from this tournament. Uh, it was nice. I think was that after the kind of disappointing match he had with Minoru Suzuki. I think that yeah. was at like Cork and Hall. Yeah, I think yeah, the I was Suzuki really match surprised. Was Kenny's opening match in the G1 and it was built up quite a lot, but yeah, it wasn't great. To me, I thought it was going to be similar to like Suzuki's match with AJ Styles, which was a absolute awesome match, and like a I think it won match of the year in the Observer, you know, Reader Awards. I thought Kenny and oh, Suzuki, okay, they're going to have one just like that because I had a lot of faith in Kenny Omega as an in-ring performer, but like I watched that match, I'm like, hmm. But that being said, Kenny Kenny did like really acquit himself really really well throughout this entire tournament. So I, I was pretty happy with his performances with pretty much everyone else in. Uh, in B block. Uh, let's talk about Naito's path and Omega's path to the finals. So each both have the same record, seven and two. So Naito only loses to uh, Balak Fale and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Omega's path, he loses only to Juice Robinson and Michael Elgin. And so that brings us to the match itself. So let's get fired up on uh, New Japan World. Uh, we see uh, Omega making his second appearance in a row in the finals, joining Masahiro Chono. Uh, Manabu Nakanishi, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, uh, Togi Makabe, and Shinsuke Nakamura. So he's and he's the only foreign wrestler to have gone into the finals. Actually, he he's the first foreigner to go into the finals. He's the first foreigner to main event twice in the finals. He's the first foreigner to win it the the first time he was in the G one. So he's he's a lot of the first. You can tell like at this time they were like so behind Kenny Omega. They thought the world of him. They thought, okay, he's going to be our, our guy into the Western expansion. He's going to be the face of that. He's never going to leave. <laughs> uh, they didn't really think this out through th- uh, in, in full. If, if they really paid attention to like the relationship with, I guess, Kenny had with the Bucks and, and, and Cody and everyone else, they might've thought, mm, maybe he's not going to stay. But at the time, I'm sure they were like, he's going to stay with us forever he loves new japan he's never gonna leave but i i was with them wa i, I was in my peak kenny fan here well you have to try and understand that a lot of new fans are coming this year after wrestle kingdom 11 you know there was a famous six-star match and that brought a lot of new eyeballs to the product and kenny omega he was a really thrilling wrestler to watch for someone who who'd never watched much outside of wwe before and personally i was hooked like this guy was amazing and I had my little Kenny Omega Bullet Club t-shirt. Uh, I, I remember wearing it in Hong Kong and someone coming up to me and too sweet me. Uh, I mean, I feel that if if I met 2017 me on the streets today, then I'd probably punch me in the face. But <laughs> seriously, I think th- this is kind of before Kenny's ego began to creep through. Um, maybe he was just happier at this time. I don't know, because 2018 Kenny, he had an amazing year in ring. He was uh, the Super J-Cast Wrestler of the Year. 
uh, yeah, match of the year, tag team of the year, loads of awards, but he just seemed pretty miserable and started lashing out at various people who were giving him criticism. But here in 2017, in the summer, he's like you say, he's the figurehead of the Western expansion. He's first ever IWGP US champion coming off the back of the Long Beach shows. And a lot of people, a lot more people watching him than ever before. Yeah, it, and also joining him right there as far as like popularity is Tetsuya Naito. Uh, he comes out first to a thunderous reaction from all the fans in Sumo Hall. Uh, Kenny Omega comes out second. Uh, he comes out with the Young Bucks. We'll talk about them during the course of this review. Uh, he's the current United States champion at this time. Uh, right off the bat, Joel, a huge Naito call for for Tetsuya Naito and there you can tell this this fan base is super into him I I would dare to say that you know you get a lot of support for both guys during the match but I I do think the LIJ Naito fans are kind of outnumbering the Bullet Club Kenny fans at this point yeah definitely um the Kenny fans were growing and when you look around the crowds for this match you do see quite a lot of Bullet Club shirts uh including one Western fan with a Kenny towel you, you know the one I mean he does sort of jump off oh, the, the screen the, well, and, let me say this. If that guy's listening, I'm sorry, you're really annoying to watch throughout the whole match. Even his mate sitting next to him looks like he's getting annoyed with a towel waving in his face a few times. So I, I thought that was really funny. But you are right. Like, Naito's the big star here. But I think both guys just come across with the, the way the crowd reacts to them, just huge megastars. You, you weren't getting... I mean, I hate to compare to other companies, but you weren't getting pops like that for, for example, WWE guys. No one, in my mind, for the last few years have been as over as these people, particularly Naito. Just, Sumo Hall just erupts when he comes out. I, I would dare say that it would be hard, hard to find anyone in the North American scene that has as much charisma as either men, especially in ring. Like, I don't know anyone in WB right now in 2019 that can match like the, the main event charisma of, say, you know, Tetsuya Naito or even Kenny Omega in 2017. I don't know. I, I haven't watched any, any AW really. I've watched like just Double or Nothing. He was okay in his match with uh, Jericho, but I don't feel like AW Kenny is like has the same charisma as New Japan Kenny does. And also the quality of the opposition is nowhere near as good. He doesn't have people like Ibushi and Okada and Naito to work with. And I think that uh, it speaks to the match quality. I think the matches have been fine. I enjoyed the Jericho match more than most people. Uh, Shima match had its good moments. The second half was really good. First half was a bit boring, but I think Kenny is a guy who some of the more um, experienced wrestlers in New Japan, when they sort of impose their own match structure on him, the results were a lot better. Whereas I feel Kenny, he's, I, honestly, I think he's a wrestling genius, but sometimes he just has too many ideas and things get a bit wacky. But certainly for the New Japan main event picture, when he's wrestling guys like Naito, I thought it was always a home run. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we start the match. Uh, before we Sorry, before we start the match, we see that uh, Masahiro Chono, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Togi Makabe are on commentary for this match. Uh, Liger especially will make his presence known <laughs> throughout uh, certain spots in this match. Uh, so we start the match, and uh, right off the bat, Naito dodges out of the uh, two lockup attempts from Kenny and gets booed. So, you know, we talked. I just talked about, like, you know, he's getting the thunderous reaction. The fans love him, but then they boo him because he's doing, like, the, the tranquilo stuff. This crowd is very fickle, Joel. 
yeah, they like people and, and fair play doing the right thing, don't they? But I quite enjoyed it. I like the mind games and the, the ducking, the spitting as well. And then you had Kenny doing the eye taunt as well. Uh, another thing that jumped out at me, the Don Callis on commentary. I don't know his commentary, but he, he's in full Kenny stand mode. Like, right uh, straight in the match, he's calling him the god of professional wrestling. Uh, a little bit jarring, but there's Don Callis for you. Well, I mean, that's a signature, isn't it? Like, you know, being the big Kenny Oga supporter or, or historical wrestling in New Japan. They always bring in, like, Don Callis because they, they need someone to really hype hype them both up if, if they're wrestling someone on, on the card. I, I don't know if Kevin Kelly's as big of a hype man for Jericho or Omega Cows would be. Uh, yeah, and, and Kenny, you know, for his part, does the same thing. I know they're going to lock up and he dodges out of the way. Uh, get little tit for tat there. Uh, the match moves to the outside and Omega does an acai moonsault off the guardrail. Very impressive. Such an athletic uh, man, Kenny Omega is. Uh, Omega is on the apron and hits and, and nice him. And crashes down on his head and neck. Uh, this kind of brings me back to like Naito matches with Kota Ibushi at this point. Yeah, definitely. And Naito going after Kenny's neck is something that we see in a lot of Ibushi matches and just the complete disregards that they seem to show to for each other's well-being. Just head drop after head drop after head drop. And, and I'm not one of these guys who's going to concern Troll and say, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They're professional wrestlers. They know what they're doing. If they want to land on their heads, then go for it because it's cool as shit. Yeah, I, I'm... To some degree, I can agree with you. At the other times, like, I just don't want to see anything terrible happen when I'm there live. Like, you know, I don't want to see it to happen when I'm watching television either, but I certainly don't want to be in any kind of like live capacity if something really really goes bad in some match involving a lot of head drops or neck drops but anyways uh yes the theme of this match is naito having total disregard for kenny omega's neck he follows up that bump with a neck breaker with like so he jumps off the apron with kenny omega in a neck breaker and just drives omega into the apron the hardest part of the match did you know that joel that the apron is the hardest part of the match yeah someone might have mentioned that to me once or twice yes and then uh follows up that move with another neckbreaker, this time from the apron onto the mat. So uh, Naito proceeds to attack Omega's neck throughout this entire portion of this, you know, this early part of the match. He drives Omega into his knee and follows up with a drop kick to the back of the head. So you can see, you know, he's definitely setting up for Destino in this match. Uh, yeah, so I think some of Naito's best matches are when he's working body parts, like when he's doing... Uh, leg matches like he had that amazing match earlier in 2017 with Michael Elgin working the knee and neck matches as well just terrific stuff really good psychology from Naito yeah uh, Omega is on the floor Naito psychs him out with a tranquilo pose attempt but hits the ropes again and hits a tope uh, sending Omega over the guardrail so he just dives through the conveniently ropes conveniently Omega with, it, with with his fucking head <laughs> Like, his forehead hits Omega's chest like a bullseye, and he just sends Omega straight over the guardrail. It was fucking beautiful, Joel. Yeah, and just how serendipitous that it, we ended up with Kenny Omega lying on a table. Nothing bad can happen now, surely. Well, you know, from here, uh, Naito <laughs> attempts to give Omega a pile driver on said table, uh, but instead he falls off the edge of the table and drives Omega's head into the lip of it. And I was just like... Oh my god, I felt so, like never in my life have I felt more sorry, had so much sympathy for Kenny Omega than seeing that spot because I think legit he his head must I'm surprised he wasn't bleeding at this point, Joel. Yeah, this looked horrible and even I'd like it getting up to check if they're okay. 
And yeah, absolutely horrifying, disgusting, but also kind of awesome. And then after it happens, Naito does this guilty little glance at the camera, like like from the office or something. Like he, he's looking like a naughty little boy. Yeah, like Liger, he was awesome. He just goes, oh, oh, oh. And everyone, the other announcers are going like, dangerous, dangerous, Abunai, Abunai. And like Liger just can't say anything. He's just like freaking out because he just saw it. it was right in front of him. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Like Liger has the best reactions in these G1 finals. I don't know if you've seen the uh, Tenzan Kojima match. But Tenzan gives, like, Kojima the uh, TTD, like, the sit-out one. And you should see Liger just pop up and, like, with this horrified look on his face. You haven't seen it, Joel. I urge you, go watch. That match is awesome anyways, but just watch for Liger's reaction at the end of that match. Yeah, um, I mean, with his impending retirement, hopefully we'll get lots more funny Liger reactions on commentary to come. Hopefully, yes. Uh, back in the ring, Naito gives Omega a German for a two-count. Uh, Omega regains control by blocking Naito's drop kick to the face. Uh, the start uh, starts the Terminator hand clap, which, by the way, I hate that fucking thing. I don't know how you feel about the Terminator hand clap. Uh, 2017, me thought it was really cool. 2019, me is somewhat different towards it. So from this point, Omega's game plan is uh, working over uh, Naito's back. Uh, backbreakers, driving Naito back first into the turnbuckle pads and giving him a big back suplex. Uh, Omega does the fireman carry roll through, but lands on his own head. (laughs) So he kind of fucked up his own move. This allows Naito to block the moonsault. So in fact, Naito did escape this move. Yeah, and also I noticed he started getting quite a few Young Bucks pep talks ringside. I can't remember if this was this part of the match. I think so, where uh, Kenny took a bumper, then one of the Bucks sort of slides into the ring and starts giving him a little talk. And <laughs> I expect you've got some strong opinions about this. Oh, we'll get to the worst instance of this kind of uh, coaching or like, what were, they, what were they thinking about calling it? It's not interference. I, I think it's kind of like, you know, they're trying to make sure that the match looks good, like, like as a performance, not as a legit athletic contest. We'll, we'll, I'll get to the part where it really, really, really bothered me. Uh, from here, uh, Naito gives Kenny a neck breaker off the second rope. Uh, he's also able to finally hit the seated drop kick from the apron into the corner. So like the one where he jumps over the top rope and drives his feet into his opponent's face. Uh, Onomega gives uh, Naito a Frankensteiner that sends Naito to the floor. Uh, the T claps, the Terminator claps start up again, and Omega hits the rise of the Terminator. And this is the part where I really got, I don't know, not upset, but it just really bothered me, Joel. Like, so I noticed Matt Jackson moving, like, he's, he's, he kind of, like, grabs Naito lightly and kind of to move him into place so he can take the move properly. It's not, it's not, but he's not interfering in the match. You know what I mean? He's trying to make it look like, oh, I got to make sure Kenny hits this beautifully, like perfect. Cause like we talked about this. Oh, I got to make sure Kenny looks good. And then you see him like as Kenny hits Naito, like you see Matt Jackson trying to catch his feet. You know, it's like he's spotting him. If he's like fucking gymnast or something like in the Olympics. Yeah. I'm sure Naito didn't appreciate that at all. <laughs> Somebody who's not in the match coming and giving you a little shove in the right direction. That must've been infuriating. And it just, it just reminded me why I hate these three together. I'm not a huge fan of the young books, but I can tolerate them like on their own. But when they're with Kenny and when they're with Kenny and Cody, like in a match together, I just find it so obnoxious. I, and I like 
Kenny Omega to an extent. I don't hate him. People think I hate him. I don't. I can make fun of him because he's easy to make fun of. But here's the thing. I think he's a great in-ring performer. But when he's like with enablers, like the Young Bucks, like I think in and out of the ring, he becomes a very hard person to to, to root for or support. That's just me. I know there's a lot of people who don't care, and it's fine. If, if you love Kenny Omega and the Elite and the Young Bucks, whatever. That's cool. I, please do so. I just find it jarring to see like these guys just act like kind of like immature frat boys like like on TV and then just hear about like them backstage as well. Yeah, and it, this did start emerging in 2017, didn't it? I think it was sort of around the time of the Honor Rising tour where uh, Adam Cole got kicked out of the Bullet Club and Cody made his way in and then they started talking about the Elite. And it, uh, I mean, it, just, it was very gimmicky. I mean, obviously it was part of the storylines, but it did become quite self-indulgent and this was me speaking as someone who was a, a fan of their work yeah it, 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 fortunately it's not in new japan anymore you if you want to see that kind of stuff and it's on full display in AEW, which i hope it's successful i really do i want there to be an alternative for people in the wrestling business to work and and get good money and i think a, you know what is it the rising tide raises all ships right so that's what i'm hoping is going to happen with the success of AEW. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily on board for it because I can't stand most of those guys on TV, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, it's not in New Japan anymore, so I'm pretty happy in 2019. Uh, from here, Omega hits the top rope drop kick to the back of Naito's head for a two count. Naito escapes a Snapdragon uh, attempt, uh, slaps Omega really hard in the face, misses an Enziguri, and gets hit with an Omega German suplex. So Omega's just like, they're starting to count move counter move counter move move counter move sequence already joel yeah and just one thing that stood out here is just great speed and snap and ferocity to kenny's offense it's just a real pleasure to watch at, at the time and just th- these two got such good chemistry and you know i said before people talk about naito and Ibushi destroying each other's necks. this was definitely in the same ballpark definitely uh from here omega drives naito's head into his knee then follows up with a v-trigger uh, but Naito dodges and goes for a German. Kenny flips out. Uh, Naito dodges a punch and hits the spinning DDT. I got to say at this point, I'm watching this stuff. I got to make notes because I handwrite all my notes. I don't use the computer. And I'm watching this. Okay, 30 seconds back, 30 seconds back, 30 seconds back. Okay, watch it again. Write my notes. 30 seconds back. Watch it again. Okay, continue. That's how I'm watching this match. But, you know, I've been doing this for all the matches. For, for a cruel summer and it doesn't really bother me i'm so used to it now it does come across as seamless even though i'm pausing rewinding pausing rewinding to take my notes joel do you not find you kind of lose the dramatic flow of the match if you're constantly doing that uh at first yeah like the first three you know g1 climaxes it was like that but then i got i just got so used to it so i i suppose it you know with repetition, it becomes normal, I suppose. I'm going to be happy. Like, I'm going to watch some of these matches without doing, having to do, taking notes. I think I'll probably enjoy the matches a lot more at that point. I'm, I'm really excited to go back and watch, uh, which match was it? The Tanahashi-Kojima match. Like, that was fucking awesome. I gotta, I gotta watch that, that flip that Tanahashi does off the Kojima lariat where Kojima's standing on the outside of the ring. Uh, where am I on my notes? Okay, so... Uh, yes, so Naito then places Kenny on top of the turnbuckle, but Kenny slips out and kind of, I don't know how you would call this move, like a reverse par bomb, uh, face first. <laughs> Naito goes face first into the, into the top of the turnbuckle. It was like really scary to see. 
Yeah, that was great. I love that spot. And it just, it was very creative, like a, almost sort of like a flapjack thing, just dropped him face first into the turnbuckle. And that was one of the strengths of this match, the way that they managed to uh, counter each other's moves into increasingly dangerous escalation. But I, I, I'm going to say probably Naito, like, probably protected himself pretty well. But he's just, I think he's a great seller. Like, things that you might think are, look more dangerous than they actually are with, with uh, you know, Naito taking the bumps here. Yes, definitely. Um, I think both of them, I mean, particularly Kenny Omega is someone that I would single out as being a real expert at bumping. He just, there's no one quite as good as him for doing that ragdoll bumping that just makes him look like you've witnessed the death in the ring. He's got kind of like like that loose kind of body, you know, like he's he's not overly muscular to the point where he's like s- stiff. He can't like move move freely. He he's has very like loose limbs, I think which really plays into like this idea of like he's a really excellent seller like you're saying, Joel. Yeah, definitely. And just both of them seeing two guys who are very good at bumping, very good at selling just makes for uh awesome mix to watch. Okay, from here, uh, so um, Omega follows up the, the power bomb to Naito's face with a snap dragging, uh, a V trigger for a two count. Uh, a power bomb is countered by Naito and, in, and is turned into a huge DDT. Uh, Naito drives the back of Omega's head into his knee uh, while Omega is draped on the second rope. So he's still the game plan is still break to break Omega's neck. Break Omega's neck. Go for the Destino. Uh, Omega blocks Gloria, but uh, Naito catches him with a Gamiguri and follows up with a flying forearm and a, and a Gloria for a one and a two kick out. This is like, and now we're kind of reaching the the like the closing stretch of the match, but the match wouldn't be over for quite a while yet, Joel. Like any other participants, any other two wrestlers, you might think, okay, they're going to wrap it up in about, mm, you know, three, four, five minutes more, but I don't think that's we're at that point yet. There is one criticism that I've heard of this match that they just try to do a bit too much. Like Kenny Omega tries to do practically every pro wrestling move that's ever been invented in one match. But I'll allow them that because one, it's a G1 final, and two, it was a rematch from a match they had in the block finals the year before that, which I happen to think is a slightly better match than this. But you you can understand why they were going for the sense of escalation there, given that they had an incredible match 12 months prior to that. Well, I'll talk about my final overall thoughts about this match at the end. Uh, Omega reverses Destino into an inverted tombstone power driver. Omega reverses a suplex, a superplex attempt and drives Naito's head into the post. Like he basically just like grabs him and like jumps off and just drives Naito's head into this, like the side of his head looks like into the side of the post. So Naito's taking a lot of damage to his face. Forget his neck. It's his head that I'm worried about in this match, Joel. Yeah, I couldn't really tell if that was planned or if it was a botch. I mean, if it was a botch, they made the best out of it because the, the sequence of moves that comes after that with like the super power bomb and the hurricane runner, the poison run, all that stuff just looked incredible. But that little slip with Naito's head bonking into the poster. Yeah, again, I watched that several times. I couldn't really tell, but I'm of the opinion that sometimes botches enhance a match because you get that sort of sense of recklessness and chaos and danger that you know in a a real fight not all your moves are going to come off crisply and cleanly so sometimes this kind of thing happens and i think uh particularly with guys like naito guys like hiromu a little bit of sloppiness adds to things a bit 
Yeah, it makes it more realistic, definitely. Um, and we're at the part where might be my favorite moment in this match. Uh, so Kenny Omega is attempting to do a top rope powerbomb. By this, I mean he's standing on the top rope. He has Naito in the powerbomb position. He gets him up, but Naito reverses this into, uh, well, I don't know what I, I just wrote here, Super Mega Frankensteiner. I, I couldn't believe this. Like, I'd seen this match before, but, like, I forgot most of it, and I, I popped out of my seat watching this, and then I was just, like, dazed, and then I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta rewind that and, and, and make notes about it. Rewind that again, make notes about it. I, every time I rewound it, Joel, I was just, like, amazed even more. I'm just watching the technique. Like, just everything could have gone wrong. Like, he's on the top fucking rope. He's standing on it. The balance that Kenny Omega has, unbelievable. Yeah, the margin for error with this spot is just razor razor thin it's just a matter it seems like a matter of inches between someone's head just landing straight on the canvas so just again just breathtaking stuff from both guys yeah naito uh follows up with a reverse second rope frankensteiner for a big two i think he drives kenny's head into the mat at this point uh omega rolls out of the uh, stardust press Hits the J driller like the uh, the underhook double underhook uh, pile driver for a big two count. Uh, Can Omega I interrupt? Hits- Sorry, but I, do, I want to talk yes. about the Stardust Press here because this was a really hot match. Obviously, it's a G one final. They love Naito, and there's some amazing moves and counters and big spectacular spots. Sumo Hall sounded like it was ready to explode, and you think it's rich reach fever pitch, but then when Naito signals for that Stardust Press, there's this deep like visceral roar from the crowds and. When I saw this, I realized how much I want to see Naito win at Wrestle Kingdom 14 with the Stardust Press. And it's just a shame that he always misses it. But it, you know what? Thinking about it now, I, I think I figured it out. He needs to, the story is, right? He needs to reconcile the Stardust genius with El Ingobernable. So what he should do at Wrestle Kingdom 14 is kick Okada in the balls and then do the Stardust Press. Okay. That, that could work. I, I think that might work. Yeah, I. I was never a big fan of Stardust Genius version of Naito. In fact, I absolutely despised Naito at that point. But, you know, I recognize what a great worker he was even then. And I think there's so many fans that want to kind of see a reemergence of sorts of Stardust Genius into the current character. They'd like to maybe see, you know, Tranquilo Naito, maybe tone, tone down the tr- tranquilloness, as it were, and bring back the Stardustiness, as it were. I don't know. Maybe find the perfect balance. I don't think he'll ever go back to Stardust Genius. I think he's Lij Naito till the to the end of days, till the day he dies. You know, he's he's like when Chono became like you know a, a German Krautrock fan. You know, wearing all the leather and shit. So I think that's Naito from here on in. But like stylistically, it would be nice, I suppose, to see you know elements of his old character come back into uh, his repertoire or even kind of his character. Yeah, I've written about this, as I think I mentioned last time. You can search for it, the tragedy of Tetsuya Naito after the Wrestle Kingdom 12 match. And I think Tetsuya Naito is a guy who, I think deep down, he still is a stardust genius. He's a guy who wants to be loved and adored by the fans. And when he was rejected by them, his way of coping was to turn on the fans and pretend that he didn't care. But deep down in his heart, he does care. He does want the love and adoration of the people. So I think he needs to reconcile those two facets of his personality in order to become IWGP heavyweight champion again. That That is a very good article, by the way. I, I remember reading it and I thought, wow, this Jill Abraham's pretty uh, smart cookie here. Uh, Dave Meltzer didn't think uh, so. He didn't read it, well, to not. be fair. He, he, just, he just looked to the headline and, and doubled down. But I love Dave. He's He's my favorite. 
we'll, we'll we'll not talk about you know Dave Meltzer. I I too love Dave. Like he's so important to my fandom. But you know, anyways, we'll not talk about Dave. Anyways, uh, Omega hits uh, two V triggers. Uh, a third attempt is foiled by Naito, collapsing to the mat. Uh, a fourth attempt by. No, no by, that was uh, sorry. There was a little callback to Dominion, wasn't it? Where um, Omega collapsed when Okada was about to deliver a finishing rainmaker to him so it was like the, the tables have been turned on him now i thought it was pretty cool well i mean are you are you assuming that naito did it on purpose i can just i can just believe that he's completely exhausted and and uh you know worn down by the assault from omega well yeah he collapses and the third one misses but then when kenny goes for the one after that naito catches it so maybe he was trying to play possum but then he nails him in the fourth one were you counting v triggers in this match by the way uh there's so many, Joel. Like, it's okay. Six. I'm not one. To, like, you counted six. I'm not one to like, you know, when like I don't think in 2017 he was going too crazy with the V triggers. I think he was being as I don't know judicious as possible with his use of them. I, I think later on he goes a little crazy with like you know quote unquote spamming V trigger. But you know, a lot of my favorite wrestlers do the same move. You know, so I, I'm not as bothered by it i just think if you hit like 10 in a row it's excessive but three yeah, or I, four yeah it's fine i think the problem with his v trigger is it looks too good it's just perfectly executed it makes this amazing meaty sound and it just looks like the sort of move that would legitimately kill someone and the fact that it's used as like a uh, like a transition move or just a signature move rather than a finisher is part of the issue because i would have loved to have seen him actually pin some people after using the V trigger because the execution of it is just brilliant. Yeah, so I think it's you said it's the sixth one. I I wrote down the fifth. I might have missed one. Uh the the, the final one hits uh Naito uh and he and Kenny Omega follows this up with a massive gut wrench sit out power bomb so for a one two so he's definitely watching his uh Alexander Karelin uh tapes or you know whoever else is like you know like that kind of a who who where was Karelin from? Was it like rings? Shuto? I forget. All the all the uh, UWFI, you know, shoot fans are going to uh, blast me on, like, uh, Reddit or where the fuck they're listed. They're going to comment about this on. Uh, another V-trigger. And then he hits the... Uh, uh, and then he tempts the uh, one-winged angel, which has turned into another ugly-looking reverse Frankensteiner from Naito. Uh, he goes for... Naito goes for the running destino for a big one-two kickout. And the crowd is absolutely bonkers at this point, Joel. Yeah, it just the back and forth. And like you said, we expected the match to end about 15 minutes ago, but it just went on and on and on, move after move after move, and just tremendously exciting. Uh, another Testino is countered. Uh, and then at this point, Naito is on Omega's shoulders, and Omega, Omega drops him into a German suplex hold, and then he, he executes it for a big two count here. Uh, Omega goes for the ripcord V trigger. Uh, another V trigger, uh, a one winged angel, uh, is con- uh, countered into a Destino. There's now a strike exchange. Both men are spent, they're completely exhausted. Sumo Hall is a fucking oven at this point i'm sure uh there are two more v triggers but naito hits a rolling couple kick and follows up with a dragon suplex for a big two count joe like this this i i don't care like what other people will say watching this back and i'm you know rewinding it watching it like watching it again i love this match it's fucking awesome yeah it's just like bell to bell action non-stop 100 miles an hour i think 
you know, anyone who's sort of trying to pick serious holes in it has been uh, a spoiler sport because I just I think this match is tremendous. Whatever you think about Kenny or Naito or whatever, you, you can't sit and watch a match like that. I, you know, if you don't enjoy a match like this, then pro wrestling is not for you. Yeah, uh, from here, uh, another, well, I guess, what was what did he block? Like, he, Naito blocked, I guess, the dragon suplex, the snapdragon, and he hits the uh, a follow-up Destino, and then one more Destino for the coup de grace for the one, two, and the three count. And Naito is your 2017 G1 Climax winner in 34 minutes and uh, 35 minutes. And yeah, Joel, I, I love this match. I, I, I can, you know, I'm not... The you know the the biggest Kenny Omega stand. In fact, I can be sometimes his one of his harshest critics. But I I love this version of Kenny Omega. That's not silly. That that tones down like the the video game otaku character that doesn't try to be like too goofy. Like I'm not a big fan of you know like you know the bang like with the 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 finger gun before he hits the thing. But whatever, that is what it is. But this is like. Prime Kenny Omega, like, as a risk-taking daredevil, he's going for top rope powerbombs. He's taking Frankensteiners off the second rope onto his fucking head. It's unbelievable. And, like, I worry about sometimes wrestlers' health, but I, I, I get caught up, too. And I did not worry about any of these men that much, really. Like, I was enjoying all this, like, risk-taking and daredevil moves because, like, I trust these guys to take care of themselves. A little baby... Omega a little bit more so than than Ibushi these days. Yeah, they're professionals, and this match was incredible. I gave it four and three-quarter stars. A little bit of sloppiness. Um, Maybe they tried to do a bit too much, but just all the drama, the athleticism, the effort, all absolutely superb. And I was just thinking about it, about the all the matches between Omega and Naito have been terrific. And who would you say Naito's top three opponents are in order? Like, Would you have Kenny Omega in there? Let me think about this for a second. So number one would be, uh, I think, Okada, because he has the best storyline with Okada. See, I, I don't know. No. I don't think any of their matches have peaked as high as some of Naito's other opponents, personally. But sorry, go on. I, well, I, like I said, I think it's more for their, their backstory. I think there's so much drama in their matches. I see Okada as the guy who passed over Naito. Like, Naito would have been Okada if Okada never came along. So I, I always feel there's that kind of you know, something simmering underneath with that. Uh, then for Naito, it would be, uh, I'm going to say Ibushi and then Tanahashi and then Omega. So ne- Omega doesn't crack the top there. He's just, he's almost there. I think I would say uh, Ibushi, then Omega, then Tanahashi. I, th- I think he and Okada are still waiting to have their, Absolute classic. Maybe they're saving it for next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, what about then Omega's top three opponents? Where would you? Where would Naito figure into that? Omega. Let's see. Uh, Ibushi. Uh, number one is Ibushi, obviously. Um, let's see who else? God. Uh, Okada, Naito, obviously. I'm say, Okada is number two. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Naito because. As much as I love the Kenny Tanahashi like you know rivalry, I don't think they have ever peaked physically as much as Naito and Omega. So yeah, Ibushi, Okada, and Naito with uh, El Generico creeping into number four. Hmm. I think I would have 
Okada number one, Naito number two, and Ishii number three. I think Ishii and Omega have got amazing chemistry. But my point was basically that I think these guys are very, very good opponents for each other, and they've just got incredible chemistry. Do you think we'll ever see that match again? Which, well, Naito Omega? Yeah. Mm, I think so. I think they'll they'll work something out. I think Kenny would like to come back and work with these guys again. You think... I, I think he'll do special appearances, you know, if when, like, AEW and New Japan aren't, aren't like, kind of, like, trying to, you know, I don't know, fight for, <laughs> you know, territorial space, as it were, in the United States. But at some point, I think Kenny Omega is just going to tell AEW, he's going to tell Cody and the Bucks, listen, and Tony Khan, listen, I want to go back for, like, some big shows. I want to have these matches with these guys. I'm going to go. And there, I, I mean, there's nothing they can do. He signed the contract that, that allows him to do stuff with New Japan if he wants and if and if New Japan wants. So, well, I'm sure, I, I agree with you. I think it'll happen. I don't know if it's going to be regularly. I think it'll just be for like big shows uh, and, and that's it. Yeah, I know some people are really sick of the elite and maybe it was just time to have a little break from them. Maybe they were sort of getting on each other's nerves you know some couples need to take a break and then they get back together and more in love than they ever were before but i think you can't deny that kenny omega is just an incredible talent in the ring and seeing him working in aw with guys who uh, personally i don't think are as talented as the top guys he was working with in new japan it makes you miss these big main event epics with kenny omega well i i think kenny omega is going to come back uh, obviously, I think Chris Jericho will come back as well. I don't. I think it's very unlikely. I'd be very surprised if we ever see like the Young Bucks and Cody full on come back to New Japan. They might do a joint show. We'll see. I don't know about that either. But definitely Omega is coming back, but not regularly. Just like for big shows, I, I can see him wanting. I can see them wanting him to put over Jay White. You know, as the the as their next version of Omega, the next face of their Western expansion, along with, like, Osprey. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, Jay White, very different personality, very different wrestler. But, yeah, you can see some similarities in as much as their positioning. So we should talk a bit about Naito. So this is, like, I felt coming out of this match, Naito is at the peak of his popularity. He's on. He's the best wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's going to win the title he's got the contract okada's a champion okay here we go so let's fast forward to wrestle kingdom uh january 4th 2018 and and joe talk about what happens in this match and, and the aftermath of this well watching this final i had tickets to wrestle kingdom 12 at the time so i was heavily invested in the outcome here i remember being disappointed that kenny lost because i wanted okada omega 4 but i only ended up having to wait like an extra five months for that and so you look at these two guys you look at omega and naito and you expected one of them to become the next iwgp heavyweight champion but obviously it turned out not to be the guy that most people expected so Watching this, the, the specter of the Wrestle Kingdom 12 main event looms large over this. And if someone had told you, like, a year later, Omega would be IWGP champion and Naito would have nothing, then you might struggle to believe them. And, again, it's interesting to compare it to this is G1, where, again, most people think Naito should win and then go on to win the title at the Dome. So uh, it's difficult not to think about that Wrestle Kingdom 12 main event. And even looking back on it now, it's really hard to say whether it was the right or the wrong call i mean business wise new japan did absolutely fine and it was great to see okada have that sort of 
dynastic run stretched out to be something truly historic. And if Naito won the title off and then, would things have been different? Would Okada be as big as a star as he is right now? But you do feel that 12 months ahead, they put the belt on. Personally, I feel the wrong person. I would have loved to see Naito get him run with the title. But again, we'll just wait and see what happens at Wrestle Kingdom 14, because if he doesn't win the title then, then you can point back at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and say, this was where they missed the boat on Naito. Because being there, I was at the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom 12, and the amount of LIJ shirts and the, the noise inside that stadium, people were ready for it. And there was just this absolute stunned silence when Okada hit that Rainmaker and got the one, two, three. People couldn't believe what they were watching. So I was in Australia on my vacation uh, during, uh, you know, the, the first week of January in 2018. So I missed this. I didn't go to this show, even though a lot of people I knew went to this show. Um, and I just remember getting a like a text message while I'm in Australia <laughs> from my friend, uh, my friend Bong, and he's with my other friend Stephen. And Stephen's a huge Naito fan, and Bong just messages me, "Stephen's going nuts. He's berating Chris Charlton right now." <laughs> and I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" So they all went together. So Chris Charlton went with two of my friends to Wrestle Kingdom, and 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 Stephen's losing his mind. <laughs> Chris is trying to defend the booking decision. Well, well did Chris have something well, to do with it? Is Chris on the, the booking committee? No, no, no. He had, he's not working for Japan at this point, but he went with my friends to the show, right? <laughs> he's just trying to explain the, the reasoning. And, like, my friend Stephen, I think he's a bit inebriated at this point, too. Hey, Stephen, read this he, article on Voices of Wrestling, The Tragedy of Tetsuya Naito. It all makes sense. He, he's probably printed it out and, like, pasted it on his bedroom wall. yes. I believe this. He's a, he's a huge Naito fan. So he, I just like, then later I get messages from Steven. What the fuck? Fuck ghetto. Like all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Okay. First I was, I was stunned that Naito lost. I thought it was his year. I thought he was going to win. But then I just go on Twitter and LIJ fans, Naito fans are just going mental. They're going absolutely bonkers on Twitter. And it's on my timeline. And they're all like, Fuck Ghetto, why is Okada still a champ? This is should be Naito Naito's year. He should be the champion. And then like, you know, 2018 comes, he's still not the champion. He's not even the main event. It's it's fight who's he fighting? Fucking Jericho, right? And that's a great match, don't get me wrong. But you know, like people are still in Joel, in 2019, where it's August 2019, still people are still talking about Tetsuya Naito should have won the Russell Kingdom. Made event against Okada. He should be, he should have been the IWGP champion. I and I feel you know that if he doesn't win in on January fourth, twenty twenty, that that's it. You're gonna you're gonna alienate a lot of Lij fans. I don't think they're gonna leave the company, but they're gonna be less invested in the company and less invested in Naito to a degree. And I do think that there's gonna be a backlash of some degree if Naito doesn't win the belt like this coming January. I totally agree. And I suppose, I don't know when this episode is going to be released, but there's a chance that by the time uh, this hits your podcast feed, Naito might have already been eliminated from the G1. Like, Jay White's won the G1. We're getting Jay White versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Uh, Look, I really like Naito, and I hope he wins the G1. I hope he wins at Wrestle Kingdom. But if he doesn't, like, let's say, just for sake of argument, wins the G1 and then loses in the main event. I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does... I'm going to go straight on Twitter and I'm just, I'm there for the chaos WH. I hate to say it, but it no, would be quite I'm, funny. I'm I, 
Sometimes men just want to see the world burn. I'm, I'm one of them. Obviously, you are too. I, I'm with you. I feel the same way. If Naito wins, awesome. I'd be happy for him and his fans. I, I, I like Naito too. I'm a fan of Naito. I want to see him win the title at Wrestle Kingdom. One reason I do want to see him wrestle, win the title against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom is because then I think we can clear the fucking decks. Now we can push Ibushi. We can full push Jay White as like a serious threat. We can now clear the decks for Osprey, Shingo Takagi, uh, Sonata, Evil. I think those guys, like among among others, are ready to get elevated to that next level. They're going to have to replace Naito, Makabe, Tanahashi, and to some extent, Okada. Little Okada has to make room for these guys, right? He can't. He's going to be Tanahashi like when Okada was coming up, right? So Naito has to win the fucking belt so we can move on from this storyline. So LIJ fans will be happy. Naito fans will be happy. And then we can start pushing these guys. Because I honestly feel if you don't give Naito that closing chapter to his story with the title, that a lot of like Naito and LIJ fans are just going to be, they're not going to accept wrestler A, B, C, or D who's going to get the big push afterwards. Yeah, this is like me waiting for the next um, A Song of Ice and Fire, like Game of Thrones books to come out. So I, I totally feel their pain. And yeah, as much as I love New Japan, the Wrestle Kingdom main event scene being locked down by the same three, four people, you know, Tanahashi, Okada, Naito and Kenny Omega getting into appearances there. It does need a bit of freshening up, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, 2020 is going to mark the push of like all these guys who are just bubbling underneath so that brings us to the end oh sorry did you have another thing uh i was gonna say stick with osprey in there i'm sure everyone would love that <laughs> I, I i would love to see that one i love osprey personally like as a wrestler he's so amazing but i also enjoy the discourse like i don't tend to get involved with it like people can have whatever thing they want about well osprey but i i do enjoy like the uh the battles you have with I can't help myself. Every single time I tweet something positive about Will Ospreay, I'll get quote tweets, subtweeting, and it was irritating at first, but now it's fun. It's like going fishing. I enjoy it. Yeah, but I'm positive about Ospreay too, but you know what? I honestly never get that. It just goes to show you that I'm actually not that prevalent or relevant on wrestling Twitter, which I'm, I'm kind of glad about, to be perfectly honest with you, Joel. I, I like doing my little shit tweeting out there, and, and very few people like will, will call me out on it. If they do, that's fine. I, I'll respond if we can have a nice discourse. But uh, not not like like I you, you're you're walking through the fire. You're like Denzel Washington, man on fire, and they just like kidnapped uh, Dakota Fanning, dude. Here's the thing. I was saying this to someone yesterday. When I get some criticism or bad feedback or someone taking the piss whatever then you feel terrible about it. you get really mad you're like oh i can't believe someone's saying bad stuff but if someone praises you gives you good feedback and says they like it i just feel nothing so this is where i am right now <laughs> yeah I, I mean i used to get like really upset oh my god someone didn't like what i said oh now i i'm like oh yeah well okay you know different folks different strokes but and I, I get, you know, I get the dopamine rush. Like if someone like, like, especially someone I, I, I respect a lot, like will be positive about something like I, I said, and like, oh, cool. That person like this, that's nice. But yes, we will, we'll see what happens. Come, to, I think 2020 will be a very, very interesting year for those of us who follow uh, New Japan. For, yeah, and, for and also uh, you have to sort of tell yourself, remind yourself at the end of the day, you're arguing about pro wrestling on the internet. 
It's really not that serious, is it? On, on wrestling Twitter, that subsection of a horrible, horrible app, which I still love, but you know, it's, it is a horrible place to be on sometimes. But it is, yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't affect my real life, my my friendships with with uh, real people, so it, it's okay. Uh, so this brings us to the end of our discussion about Naito versus Omega. Let's move on to the trivia. Are you ready? Oh, wait, I, I should point out some of the stuff that happened after the match. So, Oh, yes, um, please. Yeah, we had LIJ come into the ring. I saw Hiromu. When I saw Hiromu, just my heart broke a little bit. I've missed that guy so much. And then you had Naito teasing, throwing the trophy into the crowd. Um, Chono presented the flag to Naito, and then he did the LIJ fist bump with Chono. Daryl got a little fist bump as well. I think this was the G1 where he got destroyed by Bad Luck Vale as well. And then also you had... Um, Kenny and Ibushi having a little encounter backstage, which was setting the seeds for their Golden Lovers reunion in 2018. So, um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on after this match. It's very cool. Uh, Chono getting that fist bump put a huge smile on Chono's face. He looked like, so. oh, my God, I'm cool. The cool kid likes me. I'm an, the older guy. I'm still cool. He, 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 he had that look on his face. It, it was very heartwarming, you know. <laughs> watching that yeah like you see uh, so let's naito giving fist bumps to little kids in the crowd with their lij hats on and chono had the same expression on his face exactly it was it was really heartwarming to see uh so let's now move on to the trivia joel are you ready for the trivia uh no but ask uh, away anyway all right uh this is for the this is all from the uh billboard top 100 so this is the american charts i i was too lazy to look, to look up the uk charts I apologize for that. Or the Chinese charts or the Japanese charts. This is all American music. Uh, number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 in August of the, you know, August, uh, what was it, 13th of 2017. Is it, I'm terrible with music. Is it a song that I would, I, I would know? Is it a popular song? Uh, yes, I think this song, even though I'm not that familiar with it myself, I, it was, I think it was like one of the most popular, maybe the most popular song of the summer of 2017. I remember hearing Despacito a lot. Was it Despacito? It was Despacito by Lu- Lucy Fonzi and Daddy Yankee featuring my fellow Canadian, Justin Bieber. Don't like Justin Bieber. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually him. Who is it? Him. And Nickelback, and to a degree, Avril Lavigne, I, I disavow as being Canadians. I'll accept Celine Dion, because, like, you know, in retrospect, yeah, Celine Dion did a lot for Canadian music. I'll take, I'll, I'll accept Shania Twain, definitely Brian Adams, Corey Hart, uh, Bare Naked Ladies, Blue Rodeo. You might not know some of these artists, the Tragically Hip. These are all great Canadian artists. Nickelback, and Justin Bieber, Avril Lavigne. Not so much, in my humble opinion. Uh, number one album? Uh, again, is it, a, is it individual, solo artist, or a band? Uh, okay, so it's a, soul, it's a female solo artist. She's very popular. Um, she's, an up, like, she's a relatively new artist as well, but she's, I would say she's pretty popular, that I recognize her name. Is it... These popular female artists. Um, this is not making for good podcasting. Me just sitting there going, "Hmm." Um, I've there, there's someone I'm thinking of. The, the 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 girl who sings Seven Rings, but I've forgotten her name. Um, uh, Ariana Grande. Not any Ariana Grande. That who sings the song Seven Rings. 
Let me look yeah. this up. This is making yeah, awesome podcastings. <laughs> uh, it's not it's not Ariana Grande. It's not that oh, I don't know. It. This see, uh, it's uh, Lana Del Rey. Never heard of her. Oh really? She's yeah. a great singer actually. Uh, it's the album is called Lust for Life by Lana Del Rey. Number one movie at the box office at this time. Um. I remember seeing Dunkirk at the time, but I don't know if that would have been as popular in the States. So uh, can I have a clue? Is it a, a huge name? Uh, I know it? it's, a, it's a spinoff of a horror movie series, and the spinoff usually is not that good. Uh, and it's a prequel to the spinoff of this horror movie series. <laughs> oh, God. I've got no chance. Um what, it features what? a the main character is a doll. Oh, uh, and, Annabelle, Annabelle something. I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. It. A, yeah. It's uh, Annabelle Creation, which is a spinoff of the uh, the Conjuring series. Which is it's just interesting. Like I'm looking this up. Okay, wait. This is the prequel sequel to the side project Annabelle, and then there's another one called the sequel. Is the third movie is an actual sequel called. Like coming home or some shit like that. I don't know. I think these movies are horrible. Like I, I think The Conjuring is fine, uh, but all every spinoff of any successful franchise is like destined to be shit. Let's just be honest with that, okay? Like very very few spinoffs are actually any good. Maybe this upcoming Rock Jason Statham movie from the Fast and Furious might be good. Though my friend saw an advanced copy. He says it's just stupid, stupid action movie stuff, and I'm like, okay, I gotta put myself. In that mentality, I got to set my mind back to the eighties. Oh, what were you, were you expecting? Oscar-winning performances with uh, <laughs> Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> no, as soon as I saw the second trailer, where they're going to, I don't know, they're going to like some Pacific island to to hook up with you know Dwayne John Luke Hobbs's family and fucking Roman Reigns is there and they're all like you know they're all island warriors and and it's just like okay I I don't know if I guess it's not cultural appropriation because they're you know of the heritage of the Rock and Roman Reigns oh yeah well I I'll just think I don't know I was expecting something akin to the Fast and the Furious four or five which I think are actually very well written movies you know and fairly decently acted like i don't expect my my bar for the fast and furious movies is you know pretty in the middle but they they can be good the last movie uh, like fucking ice break was complete shit like i think that's the japanese title by the way i think it's the fate of the eight or some shit but in japan we call it in, in japan sorry i don't know why i enunciated like that but in japan we call it we have these funny titles for the fast and furious movies where they're called wild speed the whole franchise is called wild speed the I think the one where they like uh, drop the cars out of the back of a of a of a galaxy transport plane is called Sky Mission. The last movie was called Icebreak because like they're chasing a submarine in in the Arctic or some shit like that. Anyways, that wasn't the number one movie in August of two thousand seventeen. <laughs> Can I ask you another question Ooh. on the topic? Right? Yeah, because when you see The Rock in a movie, you, you're hoping for this. You're hoping to see some wrestling moves. What is your favorite wrestling move in a movie? Like not including I, the rock, because I've got one. Uh, Blade Two, when Wesley Snipes does a delayed vertical suplex on one of the vampire monster guys. You you are uh, reading my mind. Like that that is a great that is probably my favorite movie. Or just the entire street fight between uh, I think it's Keith David and Roddy Piper in They Live. Have you ever seen They Live by John Carpenter? Starring yeah, Roddy Piper. Yeah, with the the magic glasses is a classic. 
It's classic. That that street fight that Roddy Piper is just wanting to put the glasses on the other dude. It's like, put these on. No, I don't want to put them on. And they just have a wrestling match. It's it's, it's better than the street brawl that uh, that Roddy Piper has with Goldust at that one. What was it? WrestleMania? Was that 13? Might have been 13. I forget which WrestleMania that was. But anyways, it's better than that. But yes, the delayed vertical suplex Wesley Snipes gives to... Is it Ron Perlman's character that he gives it to? I think it's he does it to one of Ron Perlman's um, lackeys before he fights Ron Perlman. I could be wrong. I might have yeah. to go back and watch it. It's always good to revisit Blade 2 once in a while. Cracking film. I, I love that film. I do. But man, there's some bad CGI at the end in some of the fight scenes in that movie. Not as bad as like Blade Trinity, you know, which I have a guilty pleasure appreciation for because oh, I, I like Triple H in it. No, fuck that. I, I, I like, I love Parker Posey as an actress. She's a great actress. I love Ryan Reynolds in that movie. It's basically Deadpool without the mask. Uh, and I, and I like Jessica Biel, you know, in, oh, who in doesn't? That, in, I, I love that. I love that role for her. I think she's like a really cool character. The, the worst part of that movie is fucking blade. Cause like apparently Wesley Snipes was a complete asshole on the set of that movie. So there you go. Let's move on to the uh, wrestling part of the trivia. Joel, who is the IWGP heavyweight champion at this time? That would be Okada. Yes, you're correct, Kazuchika Okada. Who are the IWGP tag team champions? Um, I think it was War Machine, wasn't it? No, it's the Viking Raider War Experience. <laughs> what are their names now? Gun to your head. Something... Oh, it's the Viking Raiders. It's like right. I, Ivor and something ridiculous. It's like a, a non-Viking oh, Eric. Guy, Eric. <laughs> Eric and 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 Ivar is like. I, I'm sure they're happy. I'm sure the guy who's married to like fucking uh, Sarah Logan's happy to be able to go on the road with his wife. That's cool. But these guys must be thinking we we gave up like you know pretty good position in a in a pretty hot company for this shit. But I, I've seen, I think, like, you know, like, War Machine are the, are the kind of guys that their dream is to be in the WB rather than be, like, you know, like, in a prominent role, like, wrestling, having great matches. I think their their goal is to be on TV and hopefully having good matches. But, you know, like the War Raider experience. I was lucky enough to be at the Barclays Center in April to see the TakeOver Brooklyn where I think it was War Raiders against... Alistair Black and Ricochet, which will probably turn out to be the last good match that any of those guys have. So, um, tinged with sadness, but a good match anyway. Yes, I remember that. They had that uh, very uh, impressive Viking experience uh, entrance, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. No more good wrestling uh, from you guys, sorry. <laughs> Off you go to the main roster. To, to that that, that entrance uh, signaled the end of their all of them having decent matches on the uh, main roster. Uh, Joel, who is the Ring of Honor world champion at this time um i think it was cody you are correct it is cody i think he's doing the uh he doesn't have the the belt he has the ring of honor world title ring gimmick at this time I, oh I yeah everyone's got kiss the ring <laughs> kiss the ring yes uh who is the nxt women's champion at this time uh, i would guess just because she had an enormous reign was it still asuka Asuka, Joel, you are killing it on the wrestling part of the trivia. And you got the number one song right. Amazing. I think you might be the champion of the trivia. We'll see what happens on episode 28. Uh, WWE champion at this time? 
Mm. Oh, I was looking at some data actually comparing Seth Rollins' reign with, uh, I think it was this person. Was it Jinder Mahal? You are, you are like, for the wrestling Officially part, you are five a bigger and five. Seth Rollins. Wow. Yes, you're correct. Jinder Mahal is the bigger draw WWE champion in 2017. Joel, I, I might have to congratulate you. I can't remember fully, but it seems to me you might be the wrestling trivia champion. But we'll have to what see at the end What's of... What's my prize? Uh, you get the peace of mind to know that you are the, the Cruel Summer wrestling trivia champion. That's great. Or you could buy me a, a strong zero in Tokyo in January. I will. I, I will. I will buy you a. I will buy you a strong zero that you have to say in front of your show partner, Dave McDonald. This WH bought this for me, and then open it and just drink it as much as you can in one gulp in front of him. Hey, I hope all three of us will be hanging out together come January. Oh yeah, I'm thinking uh, it's it's happening. We'll talk a bit about that off air because we'll keep a few secrets to ourselves here uh yeah so that ends the trivia joel you you fucking killed it on the trivia i may be the best performance by anyone any of the multitude of guests i've had on cruel summer so far and you are in the penultimate episode position so we'll see how john pollock does on episode 28 uh before we go do you have anything to plug my friend Yes, my podcast. So if you like New Japan Pro Wrestling and you haven't already given us a try, please listen to us, the Super Jcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Like I said before, I like to think that we're the best purely New Japan Pro Wrestling based podcast out there. Um, me and my co-host Damon, we record every week. So if you haven't given us a try and you like New Japan, please check us out. And you could follow me on Twitter, my personal account, um, I think it's at Joel J. Abraham, but it's mainly pictures of cats and food. So if you like cats and food, you can follow me there as well. I love cats and food. I love your cats. They're so they're so cute. And I like all the pictures of all the food you've been taking recently. On your oh, something terrible happened yesterday, WH. My wife gave both of the cats a shower with a special cat shampoo. And then after the shower, Gati, the little one, didn't recognize Scampi anymore because his smell was different and she was smelling him and growling and hissing at him. And he was really upset. And, and it, yeah, it took a while to reconcile that. It, but it's strange that, you know, cats recognize each other through their sense of smell. Interesting. So, but like Scappy had no problem, problem recognizing Getty. Uh, yeah. I think he just ignores her most of the time anyway, but yeah, on her part, there was, I looked it up, it's non recognition aggression. So a lot of drama in house Abraham. Okay, you gotta make sure you and uh, your, you and Molly don't like change your shampoos then, or uh, Getty's gonna get hissing at you. No, fortunately, I never wash, so it's not a problem. Ah, well, there you go, there you go. Problem solved, problem avoided. Uh, yeah, and you know, you got that the Discord channel. By the way, did you know I joined your Discord? Channel? I did. I saw you joined. Very excited. There was a lot of buzz. People were saying, "Hey, it's great." Wh Parker's joined. We we're really excited about that. Really? But I haven't seen you post much I, though. I, I, I I'm. I haven't posted anything because I'm like, how do I jump in on this? I don't know what to what the the the, the procedure. What's the protocol to jumping in on a conversation? Well, I'm, I'm going to send you a message now. I'm going to at you and start a, a discussion with you. I'm going to talk to you about New Japan Royal Quest. So get ready. Okay, I'm 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 uh, waiting with bated breath for that. But uh, Joe, thank you so much for appearing again on Cruel Summer. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, please listen to the Super J cast over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow uh, Joel at the Super J 
podcast uh, Twitter account as well as his own personal account. Uh, my name's WH Park. Uh, follow me on Twitter at WH Park Nine. Uh, I do a lot of shit posting about people I don't like, as well as wrestling I do like. But uh, people tend to say WH, you're so negative, but it's okay. I I like being negative. It's a cathartic experience for me, and my mental health is is very important to me as much as anyone else's. Uh, in the meantime, uh, join us for the next episode, which will be the last episode. John Pollock will be the special guest host. He's bookending this entire series, of course, my my regular co-host over at Post Perez, which you can hear every month at proswrestling.com. Until then, until that episode, I will say I will bid adieu and say uh, what's Kenny's uh, goodbye again, Joel? It's a uh, goodbye and goodnight boing. Uh, so I'm going to say goodbye and goodnight. There's no boing. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye.